Friday, May 26th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News, and with me today are Gordon Derrick, my colleague at Dutch News and online shopping enthusiast, and Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and professional beach bum. So how is everybody today? Survived the uh, weather? I survived the beach, yeah. Yes, yeah. but you're, got, you're headed immediately back to the beach, I assume, because you want to take selfies with the coalition talks. <laughs> Indeed, I'm going to look for uh, for all the politicians that are drinking coffee there Yeah. And, uh, having some informal negotiations. Perhaps I can join them. Yes, perhaps yeah. you could. They, they, they seem like they could use some help as we'll be discussing later <laughs> in the Indeed. podcast. And we could have some uh, some scoops for next week. Well, they seem to have talked to everybody else about uh, forming governments. I think it's only fair, it's only fair that they talk well. to us. Yeah. 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 They should finally consult us. <laughs> I yeah. agree. This week, we'll be discussing the latest coalition talks news. But first, we'll tell you about a new train platform in Amsterdam, which sadly does not take you to Hogwarts, IX's defeat in the Europa League final, and a roundup of weird news involving babies, trees, and one very special eagle. In our top story this week, direct train services to London moved a step closer as work began on a secure rail terminal at Amsterdam's central station. Passengers for the Eurostar trains will have to go through extra security checks similar to those at airports because of the UK's strict border controls. The same regulations could scupper plans to include a stop at Schiphol Airport, where space is limited. Eurostar hopes to start running services to London via Rotterdam and Brussels in December. How long will the journey take from Amsterdam to London? Well, it's scheduled to take four hours and nine minutes, although given the record of British trains, it probably will take a little longer uh, and you'll have to do the last half hour by bus but there'll be two trains a day and uh, they're thinking of adding a third one next year if it goes well does the train have a fun name like the flying scotsman no not yet but i think there's a few potential contenders like maybe the brexit express because <laughs> it's going to start uh, just just in time to sort of start taking away all the people who are moving out of london when the uk leaves the eu Refugees were a hot topic in the elections a few months ago, and the plight of one refugee made headlines this week when newspaper Parole reported that an asylum seeker had been refused for, quote, not being gay enough. Shahir, whose last name was not given to protect his privacy, is a 29-year-old man who fled Iraq with his partner after they were outed and attacked by a family member. However, the immigration service decided that he hadn't done enough to prove that he was gay, and therefore it was safe for him to return to Iraq. So it is dangerous to be gay in Iraq, but uh, how dangerous is it exactly? Well, same-sex relationships were decriminalized in Iraq several years ago, but homosexuality is extremely taboo, and so-called honor killings of gay family members are are common. Okay, so it is officially decriminalized. Yeah, it's officially decriminalized, but oh. it, it seems to be that that culturally it's it's widely unaccepted. Yeah, it's sort of a social stigma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and there have been other cases of uh, asylum seekers from Iraq who have who have managed to get asylum in other countries on the basis of their homosexuality. So what would the criteria the immigration office apply to d- decide uh, whether or not he should stay? Well, it's a little unclear. The process for LGBT asylum seekers involves proving that they are both an LGBT person and could be in danger of their country and origin. According to the ruling in this case, quote, there is no question of the development of homosexual feelings or of a reflective process in Shahir's statement, but instead he should be able to give concrete details of his growing awareness of his homosexuality. What does that mean? I don't <laughs> think anyone even knows. The, the process for 
for asylum is done like by by an interview with like a sort of a immigration mm. court judge. So it's it's kind of up to them. It, there's not like a clear sort of checklist for these things necessarily. Mm. But the couple owns a rainbow flag, took part in the gay pride parade in Amsterdam. His friends had given testimony in court to the fact that that he was gay. And as a matter of fact, his partner even testified that they sometimes have sex several times a day. <laughs> but this was apparently not taken into account. So it's it's a little yeah. unclear. Yeah, because um, it seems to be the courts are focused on whether he aware himself that he was gay and yeah. could kind of um, give a convincing account of that. But surely what matters is, you know, whether other people in Iraq uh, think that you're gay. gay and what they do about it. Right. Yeah, that's really where the danger comes from. Well, it's especially even more complicated because when the two of them arrived here, they were harassed in the refugee center that they were in for being mm-hmm. gay by other asylum seekers and were moved to a, a separate refugee center space for gay asylum seekers on the basis of the fact that, you know, they, they had sort of been harassed for their mm-hmm. sexual orientation. So to me, it seems pretty absurd that they can on one hand acknowledge that they're in danger in the Netherlands, where this is much more widely accepted, but it's totally safe for them to go back to yeah, Iraq. Yeah, that's kind of a great irony, isn't it? So you can't convince a court that uh, you're gay on the basis that you actually have sex with your partner regularly. Yeah. What, what, what more can you do? I yeah. guess, like, have sex in the courtroom, like, in front of people? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, do you have to s- submit your porn history to show that you're looking at, like, gay, gay male sex, like, porn stuff? I have no idea. I don't understand how you're supposed to prove someone's sexual orientation. A bus driver in Breda ended up with an extra passenger as a woman on his bus delivered a baby on Monday. The bus driver saw in his rear mirror that the woman went into labor. He pulled over, called the emergency services and helped delivering the baby as the dispatcher gave him instructions. 20 minutes later, the baby was born. Of course, the baby wasn't allowed off the bus before he bought an OV chip card so he could properly check out. So, other than being fined for uh, not having the <laughs> chip card, uh, how is the baby doing? Uh, the baby is uh, doing fine, according to the Arriva bus company. Uh, they are obviously very proud of their bus driver and they are still looking for an appropriate gift. So, if you have some suggestions, uh, feel free to submit them. Well, not as famous on Twitter as my colleague Paul is, One Tree in Wageningen University now has its own account on the social networking site. The tree, whose handle is at treewatchwur, will be sending out updates about its sap flows and growth. Though it has not yet sent a tweet, the account has already nearly a thousand followers. The Twitter account will be used by researchers to monitor the tree and investigate the relationship between extreme weather and growth. Well, Molly, you you use Twitter to uh, update us on your sap flows and growth as well. All the time. uh, Mm -hmm. I think you immediately friended uh, the tree. I did. I'm I'm following the tree and I am anxiously awaiting uh, updates on its sap flows and growth. (laughs) And uh, has the tree uh, received the ultimate Twitter distinction and been blocked by Geert Wilders already? Not as far as I know, but I am sure it is inevitably <laughs> it will happen coming. Soon, yes. yeah. <laughs> is it following Kit Wilder's cats like everybody else? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I will. I will check to see and update us next week on who the tree is following. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you'll be a Dutch News uh, senior tree correspondent. Yes, senior tree Twitter correspondent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And nearly a thousand followers is quite a popular poplar tree. But, yes. Uh, is is it the only tree with a Twitter account? No. As a matter of fact, this is not unusual for trees to have Twitter <laughs> accounts. It's the fifth tree with a Twitter account in Europe. Ghent University has a maple with nearly 500 followers oh so so the dutch tree is popular more popular than the other trees yes the, the, the dutch the tree, tree is more popular than the belgian tree yeah, oh, good. Good. does good that good does that make yeah. you feel better it does yeah
The fine weather on Ascension Day this week caused record traffic jams on the Dutch roads as holidaymakers flocked to the beach. At the busiest point of the day, the tailbacks across the country stretched back 200 kilometres. The A12 at the German border and roads south of Rotterdam towards the islands of Zeeland were particularly congested, as well as the A16, which was blocked when a lorry collided with a tow truck. So was it uh, just on Thursday that the traffic jams were bad? Because the weather's also uh, been nice all week. Yeah, it has. No, it starts on Wednesday evening, obviously, because people are going away for long weekends. So the Anve Bay then measured 850 kilometres. Uh, in the Wednesday rush hour, which is nearly three times as much as the regular amount. Um, and it's because Ascension Day is a bit later, uh, so it's later in the summer and uh, after the school holiday as well, so lots of people are going away for the weekend. If it happens during the school holiday, then a lot of people have already left. Yeah, I think on Wednesday night, the um, Anvay Bay tweeted a map showing all motorways all around the country were absolutely gridlocked, except for the ones going to Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why that is. Me neither. A fun uh, Netherlands uh, fact, the first uh, traffic jam that ever occurred in the country was on a Ascension Day in the, in the 1950s. Police in uh, Zaandam spent Thursday chasing a 14-year-old boy who was playing outside with his toy guns. Concerned residents reported that they had seen a man roaming the town in army fatigues and carrying several weapons, including an automatic rifle. A team of officers in bulletproof vests went in search of the suspect with guns drawn and found him hiding in some bushes. He then fled and they gave chase, pinned him to the ground and handcuffed him. Police said he gave himself up just in time. So they weren't able to tell uh, that there were toy guns that he was... Uh, uh, no, indeed, he w- he was playing with toy guns. But the problem with these uh, toys are that they are not so realistic that you uh, you can't easily distinguish them from either real or fake, especially from a distance. Or if you're not an expert, such as the concerned uh, residents uh, obviously aren't. Uh, that's the reason why they are forbidden in the Netherlands, and the police urges everyone just not to walk around with them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, especially with uh, tragedies such as Manchester in mind. And um, but since you can still get these toy guns in Belgium and Germany, it's fairly easy to get them in the Netherlands too. Yeah. Do you know if he's going to face some sort of prosecution for this? Uh, I, I, I don't. I can't imagine because he's only fourteen. Yeah. But he, they still, they did take him into custody, though. They but took I'm, away his guns as well. Yeah, yeah and they yeah. took away his toys. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps bought him a Lego set or something. So <laughs> yeah. Well, if they took away his guns, then the NRA will be here shortly to protest <laughs> this against the government. Staying with teenagers and Alex's young team were unable to overcome Manchester United in the Europa League final on Wednesday night, going down 2-0 in Stockholm. Eight of the players who took the field weren't born when Ajax won their last European trophy 22 years ago, including Matthijs de Ligt, who at 17 became the youngest player ever to appear in a European final. United scored in the first half through a deflected shot from Paul Pogba, and after Henrik Mkhitaryan there was, scored a second early in the second half, there was no way back for Ajax. So um, a frustrating night for Ajax, I imagine? Uh, yes, uh, some of the players uh, weren't happy afterwards. They said um, Manchester United were too defensive. Um, Ajax had uh, more possession and chances, but uh, Jose Mourinho's side were quite happy to sort of sit back, park the bus, which, uh, to use one of Mourinho's own phrases, yeah. and uh, just uh, score on the counter-attack, and that's what they did. It was a terrible match to watch. It wasn't yeah. a great spectacle, I have to say, especially no. after United scored. Yeah, defend- David Klaassen, who's a defender, said uh, they were just hitting long ball forward and scored two lucky goals, but actually they were sort of, uh, down to quite basic defensive <laughs> errors by the Ajax yeah, team. Yeah. It also means Ajax don't win a trophy this season now because they finished no. second in the league. And uh, no, there, and there was even a, a Feyenoord fan who uh, hired a plane and they had a, they had a sign behind the plane saying there's nothing uh, in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And they circled around the Amsterdam city centre. 
Okay. Well, speaking of the Amsterdam city center, it was uh, it was a big mess, wasn't it? I mean, there was saw lots of uh, photos on Twitter. And, oh, yeah. a big mess. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, yeah, there were so many people in in Amsterdam city center watching watching the game all over the city. I think around five o'clock there was an NL alert yeah. sent out yeah. um, to uh, everybody in the whole country, seemingly. Uh, uh, yeah. It, yeah, and like four of them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there were pe- there were people that that received it eleven times. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I, yeah, if you ever received one on your phone, it's it's not a it's not a fun sound. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they're actually the NL alert system has uh, announced today that they're looking into what happened with the mistakes with the alert. Yeah, because there. the range was too uh, yeah. too large, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, obviously because they sent it four times, yeah. at least four times. Uh, this is what happens when you let the Wachinger tree send out your NL. Alert. <laughs> 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 it was an interesting match because, of course, they were playing Manchester United, who just was the victims of this really horrible uh, bombing attack, and there was there were some quite nice, I thought, gestures, um, sort of by the by the at the game and both by the fans afterwards. Yes, uh, the, the UEFA decided the, the game uh, to go ahead because it was only two days after the uh, the bombing in Manchester, um, and uh, uh, yeah, I think all the teams and the fans agreed that that was appropriate. Uh, but they had a customary minute silence before the game, and the players wore, were armbands. And uh, afterwards, uh, uh, Pogba, who scored the first uh, goal, dedicated the victory to the 22 victims of the bombing. He said, uh, "You know, we played for England, we played for Manchester, and we played for the people who died." This week's NATO summit in Brussels saw the Belgian capital turned into an impregnable fortress, but one high-flying Dutch security agent caught the eye in particular. An American eagle who is specially trained by Dutch police to intercept illegal drones was protecting world leaders such as uh, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, British Prime Minister Theresa May and German Chancellor Angela Merkel. The Dutch police started training drones eagles a year ago. One of the eagles was on duty in Rotterdam last week when Feyenoord won the National League. I love the eagles with their little, like, police hat things yeah. that they have specially made they're yeah. adorable yeah they, they looked awesome i hope they remove it before he starts flying <laughs> <laughs> i hope he doesn't mistake donald trump's hair for a, for, a, for, a dangerous for an illegal drone We'll be discussing the latest in the coalition talks after this word from our sponsors. Access is an independent not-for-profit organization which has been helping internationals successfully settle in the Netherlands for the past 30 years. Access is run entirely by a team of highly skilled, motivated and professional volunteers who have themselves been experts. Their vision is to provide essential, comprehensive and unique services nationally through the expertise and experience of their volunteer expatriate community. You can find out more about Access and the services they offer at the website www.access-nl.org. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. Here at the Dutch News Podcast, we've been tempted to rename ourselves the Updates on the Coalition Formation and Animal Story Podcast because, once again, we are updating you on what is happening with the Dutch government formation. Last week, we talked about how the coalition talks between the VV Day, Day Sesestig, CDA, and GroenLinks fell apart. Even Edith Skippers couldn't put it back together again. So, Gordon, what has Schippers been doing this week other than strolling around The Hague and looking fabulous? Uh, yeah, she's uh, been uh, lots of photos taken in the Binnenhof, but in terms of uh, the coalition talks, not a great deal because uh, it all broke down on um, yeah, uh, a week ago uh, with Akun Lynx. So she tried to entice uh, Alexander Pechtold of uh, D66 and uh, Gertjan Segers, the leader of the Christian Uni, to sit down and talk and see if they could get some talk started. But that was a no-go. Um, so it's now kind of completely running around because the skipper says the problem is that D66 doesn't want to 
talk with uh, Chris and Unio. I don't want to form a government with them. Sadie, I don't really want to be in with Corn Links. And all the other options are off the table as well. The Labour Party, maybe the one party that the others might all get together with, uh, have uh, ruled themselves out. Yeah, quite uh, quite clearly as well, right? The, yeah. yeah, a lot of like Asher, I think, uh, made the statement saying that there was just a no, no chance that they were going to be moving forward as part of the coalition government, that they wanted to regroup with their, their party for next elections. Yeah, so the uh, formation is really deadlocked right now. And uh, Ada Schipper, she urged everyone to uh, overcome their differences and look at what, what they have in common rather than uh, looking at their differences. And uh, they are going to start, uh, or she's going to start to try again uh, today. Today? Uh, wow. Yeah. So no, they're not all ducking off to the beach to uh, to do this. Well, no? they probably are. They'll probably do it at the beach. That's what they've been doing during the week. I mean, they've been spotted uh, <laughs> sitting down on beach bars. Yeah, she, uh, she should just chats. dig a hole at the Scheveningen beach <laughs> and invite everyone over. Maybe what they should do is rent a, a, a room by the beach with a huge windows and put them all in there and tell them they can't go outside to the beach <laughs> until they form a government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so there were some uh, funny selfies of uh, Pechtold and uh, Vevi Day leader Mark Rutte uh, taking selfies at the beach while they were supposed to be discussing coalition talks, but they were probably really discussing Ajax, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so Henkel had an interesting idea. He said uh, every party leader should uh, write a, um, a, a coalition agreement for, uh, for their own and hand it in anonymously. Every, and every other uh, party leader should read it and the one that gets, uh, that gets the most support or, or the best support uh, uh, start negotiating based on that. Hmm. Sounds like a fun parlor game, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> but this, does this uh, factor into account Terry Baudet's plan of scrapping coalition talks and just well, I think it would be not, experts? I don't think it would be a secret uh, no. <laughs> uh, which, uh, which uh, agreement would be Terry Baudet's. Yes, uh, and then uh, I assume Kurt Wilders would be uh, just submitted in the form of a tweet. Or or, or just an uh, A4 paper. Right, yeah. yeah. Maybe they can get he can get his cats to write it. So what are the options now? Just We're just all kind of spinning our wheels here, right? Like it's, I see, it, it, feel, it seems to me like the best uh, choice, the most logical sort of looking option now is a minority cabinet with the baby day, the CDA and the day assistant. Yeah, but that's not, not, not an ideal situation for, for Pechtold because D66 was in a uh, coalition with two parties before and he had a bad experience because he was, uh, D66 was the only progressive party in a coalition with other conservative parties and that was a bad experience because as a progressive party he was just a minority within the coalition. He really wants links with him by his side so that he has a larger progressive block. Yeah, he wants to turn to is, is there any sense that Kuhn Links are going to come back to the table? Because it seemed when they those talks break down, it was all quite friendly and amicable and the door seemed to be open for them but there's been, as far as I can detect no real sort of impetus uh, to, to to get them back to the table. Yeah, uh, I think they uh, they ended their negotiations with a uh, comma rather than a uh, full, stop, yeah. full stop. Yeah, Or a middle finger. Or a middle <laughs> finger. So I think the door is open for Kuhn Links to, uh, to join uh, uh, these coalition talks but first uh, he has to be convinced by either Ada Schippers or um, Mark Rutte, Mark and, this Rutte would put, or... and this would put Jesse Klaver in a better uh, bargaining position right sure. to be asked to come back to mm. the table it sort of because shows he's really needed now for yeah, it there's, right. no, there's no alternative yeah, yes. when the talk started they sort of thought they had this alternative with the Christian Uni but I think Seika said in the week that it was that they had they had ended with a full stop run the comma he's thinking, yeah because yeah. Um, uh, Alexander Pechtold and Segers they, uh, they uh, went in, into a room and uh, started uh, talking with each other and um, Seger said uh, Alexander Pechtold walked in with a uh, list of uh, problematic points uh, and Seger said afterwards that it was more like pre-negotiation rather than informal talks and uh, for Seger that was really a full stop 
and he uh, he isn't willing to uh, to uh, to start negotiating with uh, with other parties. Yeah. Well, but the two of them have. I mean, the t- the two parties by by which I mean the two parties have have real substantial differences in their party platforms, right? I mean, like they're yeah. yeah Dasis Sestak is pro uh, euthanasia or allowing euthanasia, and they are against it. I mean, Dasis Sestak is pro uh, abortion, and the Christian Union is yeah, and uh, legalizing uh, soft drugs, for example, too. Yeah. And these three items are really the crown jewels of. Of D sixty six. So if you form mm. a coalition with someone that that, that really opposes these yeah. things, yeah. it's not a fruitful. And Pechtold's suggestion was to make it uh, an issue of conscience, so there was kind of like a free vote in Parliament. But Sekas is even against that, and he says no, I don't, don't even want to have any kind of um, um, discussion about proposal it. on the t- on the table. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's a big it's a big gulf to be drawn. Yeah. Although it's a big gulf to be drawn, I think with Hrun Links as well. It seems that they uh, they yeah. want quite a few things that the VVD and the CDA are not kind of interested in negotiating on. Yeah, I think over the last two weeks, what we've seen is kind of the, the everyone's been kind of like passing the blame buck around the table. You know, it yeah. started off with everyone uh, said that uh, it was down to the original talks collapsed because of Hoon Links making too many demands. Yeah, and then um, it was suggested that uh, the CDR were actually the ones who were blocking the talks because they didn't want to move on the environment. And then when the talks the Christian Union blamed down, that was all blamed on Alexander Pechtold. So everyone's keen not to be the one who you know makes the talks fall apart. Right. The only one who hasn't who's escaped the blame so it's far is, 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 is a one is, is a guy who always seems to manage to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Make himself scarce. Bonnage's affair, coalition talks. He always seems to uh, escape being blamed. Uh, The Teflon prime minister. Is there a danger of elections at this time? Do we have to worry about there being another uh, election? Have we not quite gotten that far yet? Well, it's coming closer, but if there is something no one wants... Yeah. That is new election, or at least there's one uh, person who does want a new yeah. election. I think yes. Uh, uh, there was a, does his name <laughs> rhyme with uh, scared Hilders <laughs> by any chance? Yeah. 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 And I think all the other parties were quite keen not to have elections because you know they're, they're quite happy that at the election, Hilt Wilders did much less well than was projected and they yeah. managed to kind of keep him um, his support low and the danger is I think if there's uh, an election now that he do better especially as a lot of people who say they'll vote for Wilders between elections often do so because they're dissatisfied with the whole system so yeah. if the system breaks down doesn't work that might encourage people who to vote yeah, yeah. to actually vote for Wilders this time yeah. rather than just threaten to Gordon do you <laughs> think Sadia and Fefe Day rather have new elections than forming a coalition with the PFF? Mm, that's a tough one isn't it uh, yeah it's uh, yeah they I think they rather want new elections. I think they would. That's yeah. true. Yeah, but there was a danger with there are new elections that the PVV is bigger and then harder to avoid. Yes. Yeah. So is there any chance that this is going to happen with the PVV now? I mean, I've been seeing some chatter about this on Twitter, and and didn't Wilders had some tweets about well, this not this week but last week, right? Well, the day after the Manchester attack, um, the day before the Manchester attack, Wilders was yeah whining that he wasn't included in in, in the uh, negotiations, and he uh, you know he was uh, really saying to uh, to to Mark Rutte um, ask me to uh, to to negotiate, I'm willing. And then the day after the Manchester attack, uh, uh, Wilders sent a few tweets blaming Rutte for the Manchester attack. So he... that, that's not really yeah suggests that they're gonna have a Wilders is like the worst ex boyfriend that anyone has ever had. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I want to get back and together that... and everything is your fault. Yeah, yeah. It's, if there's someone that knows how uh, how, how to... horrible ex boyfriends are, <laughs> that's true. I can speak from experience about <laughs> horrible ex boyfriends, and I feel like. Builders would be the worst. <laughs> Can we just end? I think there? that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good, uh, I've had, I had some good zingers today, guys. Yeah, you had. Well, that's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can send comments, compliments, and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Gordon Derrick and Paul Peters. I'm Molly Quell, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.